love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What the world needs now is love. More love. Stars literally aligned. He's always been the one. There's someone out there for everyone. I'm Nancy Regan, your host on the Canadian Love Map. We are on a journey to uncover and share love stories of all kinds. He's never forgotten to bring me flowers. We're hoping we're going to give a little good news to this world. Even in these dark times, the life continues to go on. It's all about compassion, devotion, adventure, and of course, love. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs love. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, love is the most important thing. His uh, approach is, we will do the impossible. Nothing is impossible. That's uh, very admirable, and it's got him a long way. It's a rare attitude. (laughs) There's nothing that he thinks can't be done. It's very exciting to have a family member uh, with such talent. Today's love story belongs to Gerald and Spencer. Gerald Knowlton of Calgary and his grandson Spencer Purdy of Vancouver share a unique bond that binds them across three generations. And that unlikely connection is a train station. You see, Gerald is one of a rare breed of Canadians who actually grew up in a railway station. His father was the station agent in a small town for 42 years, back in the days when the railway was a vital component of life on the prairies. Gerald wanted to honor his father's life and memorialize the importance of rail stations, many of which have disappeared from the Canadian landscape. So he enlisted his talented grandson on the West Coast, an architect and artist. Spencer designed an incredible public art installation that now stands where Gerald lived as a child in the town of Standard, Alberta. We're about to hear the beautiful story of the vanishing station. This is the Canadian Love Map. I am so delighted to welcome Gerald and Spencer to the Canadian Love Map. And it's so special to have a grandfather and grandson joining us from Calgary and Vancouver, respectively. And Spencer, I want to start off by telling you and the listeners that your grandfather has told me in no uncertain terms that you are to be the star of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, I'm ever so humbled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I did say to him and I say to everyone now that we are going to have to lay the tracks, so to speak, by going back and in hearing the history from Gerald. So he's going to have to bite the bullet and uh, and really take the spotlight for a little while. How do you feel about that, Gerald? Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the most beautiful story of a piece of public art. And 
it's it's also a beautiful story of a grandson and grandfather working together on a very emotional and and meaningful project. But Gerald, the reason it came about is because of your history, as I say. Can you tell me about where and how you grew up? I grew, grew up in a railway, CPR railway station in Standard, Alberta, population of about 345. The railway station was an important hub of that whole district. And what was your father's job? He was the railway agent. He was responsible for the operation of the station and the movement of the trains in that area. So what was it like for you growing up in that railway station and in that community? Well, it was probably the most exciting place you could find in any small town uh, was the railway station where all the action from the outside world uh, took place. There, First of all, there was no television. Yes. Uh, and uh, you could listen into the dispatcher's phone. The dispatcher uh, controlled all of the rail and trains between Medicine Hat and Calgary. And it was like a party line. (laughs) And uh, rather than watching television, (laughs) we couldn't do anyway, I'd listen to that uh, dispatcher's phone as the, the... the dispatcher cleared the tracks for the troop trains wanting to get the soldiers to the to the ports. It was a small community. Most of the people were of Danish origin. The Danish uh, church was the only church in the community. My first memory is that three weeks of the year the the sermon was given in danish then it became (laughs) two and then one most of the people in the community spoke danish but we didn't oh that's so interesting i want to say i have been looking through this incredible book that you wrote called the station agent's boy the life and times of gerald knowlton and I know this is a book that you created for your grandchildren. Can you tell me a little bit about why? My dad wrote a book and gave it out to his children and grandchildren on his 80th birthday. And it was called My First 80 Years. (laughs) That's great. And... uh, I wanted to follow that pattern. Our family originated in Canada in 1635 in Nova Scotia. And we have kept a pretty good history of the family. 
uh, since that time. They landed in Avocat Bay, and uh, there are many Knowltons uh, still uh, there in one form or another, dead or alive. Well, this book is is really an extraordinary gift to your family and for also for the generations that will come after because it's so comprehensive. It's got your whole history. It's got uh, pictures. It's got uh, maps from your travels. And this quote really uh, caught my attention. This is you saying, when I look back at my days in Standard, which is the name of the community you grew up in, I realize I had the rare opportunity of observing in one understandable community that could be seen and felt from one end to the other, the whole spectrum of life and its consequences. I would love you to say more about that. Well, uh, there were uh, different nationalities. Uh, we all seemed to get along. Uh, we all integrated. We all pulled as one community in the, in the same direction. But it was also obvious if someone was in trouble and why they were in trouble. It allowed you to observe that problem as well and uh, hopefully uh, how the solutions occurred. To learn from their experience. I'm very curious now to talk about this project that you and Spencer worked on together. So you'll be happy, Gerald, to know that I'm gonna pass the baton to Spencer <laughs> and he gets to be the star of the show for a while. Good. <laughs> Spencer, uh, maybe tell us first a little bit about Champion Park, because I know that that is an important chapter before the project that you and your grandfather worked on together. It's an important part of, of my history and then an important part of, of my grandpa's history as, as well. My grandpa realized in, in the 80s that these, these train stations that were in these small communities all over, uh, all over Canada uh, were slowly starting to disappear. And there was, you know, as uh, my grandpa just kind of alluded to, there was a large, rich history in, in those buildings and a large kind of rich history in those communities that was, um, you know, not dissimilar to kind of the grain elevators of of uh, of nowadays that, you know, you would, would be scattered across the prairies and now are, you know, suddenly starting to, to uh, I'll use the word vanish uh, a, a bunch here. Yes. <laughs> um, and and uh, so he noticed that. And his his station that he grew up in in Standard um, was raised in in the I, I believe it was 1960. Grandpa, is that correct? About then, yes. And so that history had been taken away. Um, but what was what's super interesting about um, you know these railway stations um, in terms of the the design of them is is they were kind of prototypes that were the same in every community. Um, you know, oh. there was kind of a, a, you know, different sizes of them, uh, you know, based off of the community, but, uh, you know, they were built the same and, um, you know, built quick, quickly. And so uh, he, my grandpa uh, found one of these train stations um, that was a replica of the one that he grew up in, in a small town called Champion, Alberta, and decided to 
purchase it and I, I guess the the word would be renovate it and and mm-hmm. bring it back to life um, on a property outside of Calgary. And that started a um, uh, a long endeavor of uh, you know forty plus years or thirty years of of collecting CPR memorabilia, including trains and more buildings and and creating this 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 park which um maintained the the history of the the cpr um and uh so you know it, it was always sort of fascinating as a as a kid and uh i remember going out there um you know some of my first memories and then when i was uh i think i was I was about nine when my family decided to move out there. My parents wanted to try to to live in the country uh, for a bit, and so this was a little bit of you know dipping the feet in in the ocean, yes. kind of, you know, and seeing if it if it suited us. But um, imagine being a, a nine year old, and and so I had the opportunity to live in a, a train station, not a functioning one, but um, you know I was probably the perfect age to do that. Uh, you know, imagine sleep sleepovers in a caboose with you with your um, uh, with your friends and uh, out in the prairies and, um, you know, it's the perfect time to, to do that. So, you know, that's part of my uh, growing up is, is four or five years living in that, in that station. Um, it wasn't his station, but, uh, you know, very similar. Um, and so our lives kind of parallel in, in some ways um, in terms of uh, having the opportunity of, of living within that history. Wow. So, Spencer, before we get into what you do as an architect and an artist, I'd like to know how you've been inspired. And I'm curious to know what you learned from the example of watching your grandfather through your life. What was your relationship like and and what did you learn from his example? Well, it's uh, you know that's a that's a great question, and my grandpa's been a big part of my life, my um, you know entire life, and I'm sure you know as you as you look through the book, his grandchildren are a big part of his life. Um, and it's you know it's not sort of you know the grandpa that you see you know at Christmas time, um, you know once a year. They were in my grandparents um, uh, were integral in in kind of my upbringing. He's done a very uh, good job of keeping a very large family. Um, together. And, you know, I have aunts and uncles kind of all over uh, Canada and Switzerland and, you know, all over the place. And, um, you know, I know, and the, the interesting thing is, is that he, family is very important to him and he's maintained that throughout kind of the next generation. And, you know, I have, as I I said, they're kind of all over the, all over the world, but I, I could pick up the phone to any of them and it'd be like, they're down, down the street. You know, I see, I see them, you know, twice a year, even though they may be on the, you know, the other side of the world. Right. Wow. And that's really because of the example he set of of holding the family in tight. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me about the call you got, or was it a, a personal conversation face to face when your grandfather asked you about whether you wanted to be involved in this amazing plan he had? So I can't remember whether it was a call. You know what? Actually, I think it was face to face, and I might even be in the house right now where it happened. I'm at my uh, <laughs> at my aunt's house in in Vancouver, and uh, if if you know my grandpa, which you're you're starting to know a little bit more, um, he's very determined and um, 
has a plan of attack on on <laughs> what he uh, on I guess maybe it's not the right term of what he wants, but what he wants to see uh, see happen, right? And so he thinks things through. And um, I he sat me down and and said, uh, you know, I've been approached by by the community to um, make a donation to um, what we'll we'll get into is called memory memory lane in in standard and um i i don't know what you know this looks like um but you know i know that you are um at, are, you know apt at uh design and architecture and um you know is this something that you would want to to be a part of and um and i instantly I, I don't actually know if it was instantly, but <laughs> I, I thought, thought about it. And, um, you know, it, it, it made a lot of sense in, in a lot of, you know, checked a lot of boxes uh, for both um, himself and, and, and me. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of how it, how it all started. <laughs> so it was a, a public art installation he was talking about. Was that, did you know from the start that that's what you were working on? Or or was that partly, you know, something that came through your collaboration? No, I, I don't think it, uh, a, a public art piece was necessarily what was ah, in everyone's mind. Interesting. And, um, so, you know, I guess backtracking a bit is that the, uh, this community of standard had approached my grandpa um, to uh, make a donation to this park, which uh, was where the the park itself is a uh, it's where the old railway lines used to used to be. So the railway lines are now gone, and where the where the station used to stand. And so the community had gotten together. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Grandpa, on the history of this, but purchased that land. The land was donated by the CPR in 1923 oh. uh, to. Uh, create a park, but it stood as uh, pure prairie until 2015. I was asked to find a caboose for them uh, to illustrate the history. Uh, I found one in Leader, Saskatchewan, uh, and moved by truck to standard and uh, they installed uh, a bit of rail there to accommodate it and what i said to you spencer was what is a railroad without a station that is true (laughs) i do remember that great (laughs) and uh, spencer's a very imaginative mind uh, could come up with a station uh, replica. Uh, And uh, he didn't let me down. (laughs) (laughs) But he did go in a different direction than you expected. Is that right, Gerald? Oh, yes, yes. But I didn't know. (laughs) We we had no intention of of, of building a a new station like the old one, I didn't know what was coming. And it, I, of course, I got excited when I found out what he had in mind. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. 
The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Spencer, let's talk about the creative evolution of what came to be the art installation. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going through um, that that history that we just all kind of talked about um, factors into um, the, the design, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of um, any sort of piece of art or public um, installation, um, the the concept is really important. And, you know, I, I think that it's, it's not necessarily my old art teacher used to um, quote, you know, we're not just painting pretty pictures. It's, it's about, you know, doing something um, that has meaning and, and, and hidden, and it's not even hidden, but has, has a uh, meat to it. Um, and so, um, you know, thank you, Grandpa, for reminding me of that, of that quote, because I do remember it now. And, you know, what is a, a railway without a station? And um, so kind of building on that, and, and, building on the idea of, of these stations kind of not being there and then arriving on the landscape in the 19, you know, 1911, you know, being there for 50 years and then disappearing um, really sort of struck me as, as, as beautiful um, in, in some sense, right. You know, it, 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 it was something that wasn't there. It arrived and it, and it disappeared. And that's where, um, you know, I kind of stuck to this word of, of vanish, right? Because it's almost like um, you, we, we've all been to Nova Scotia where the fog goes in and, you know, the, the land kind of vanishes <laughs> and then it reappears and then it goes away. And it's, it's a little sort of ethereal in, yeah, in, in some mystical, sense. Yeah. M- mystical. And, um, and so I, I was really sort of grasping on, on that and, and how you could show that in an installation um, in kind of one solid piece, you know, explain that story and that history within one sculpture. And I, as grandpa was kind of alluding to, um, you know, I, I didn't want to build a, a replica station. I didn't want to build Disneyland, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, rural Alberta, but there's a, a deep rooted history and kind of vernacular in, Alberta of building very large things um, in the middle of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> and um, there's a very large, like, I, I think the thing's 50 feet tall, Ukrainian Easter egg in a small community outside of Edmonton called Vagerville. Or, <laughs> you know, Drumheller is known for their dinosaurs, and they have the largest dinosaur in the world. And, you know, these are all kind of roadside attractions that are, you're kind of like, why is it here? But like, <laughs> But it's kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I've, I've always I kind of grew up going to those those you know as you know a, a rest stop along the way, um, and so there is a, you know so there is a little bit of a history of kind of building big in the middle of of nowhere um, uh, to to some extent, and uh, so I didn't really hold back, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I wanted the design to be mo- modern. Um, you know, of its era, but I also wanted it to be reflective of, uh, you know, the history. And and also, I, you know, I wanted it to stand out, but I didn't want it to, um, you know, be a sore thumb. And so changes along the way ended up um, making it into a, a metal design. And, um, you know, the, it, what I always go back to in design is, is through the design process, those changes um, actually make the project better. And I wouldn't want it the original way that I designed it. It, it it always sort of evolves and those evolutions um 
you know, to the most part, um, are beneficial to the project. It's a little bit like human beings, isn't it? I mean, some of the <laughs> most difficult things we go through are very hard at the time, but they they forge us. Correct. Yeah. They yeah, help exactly. to create our character and so on, as we heard your grandfather say. So yeah. can you describe what you ended up with? So, uh, you know, in, in a nutshell, the, the design itself is 100 feet long. Um, and it's on the the railway tracks that was recreated uh, there, mm -hmm. and it's a, a big metal uh, frame uh, out of out of steel with a series of of a hundred fins. Let's call them um, what I refer to them as is as metal fins that are uh, eighteen feet tall and one foot wide, but they are laid along this frame, almost like a Venetian blind. The thing is, is instead of like a picket fence where they're all on 90 degrees, I've turned the pickets or, you know, lack of better ter term slats uh, at a 45. And they're made out of very thin metal. And on each side of this thin metal is uh, the original blueprints of this station from mm -hmm. 2011, or sorry, from 1911. Mm -hmm. And um, as I was kind of alluding to, these stations were prototypes that kind of went all over the place. So I was able to source these original blueprints and being a kind of architecture nerd, I, I have a, a affinity for old blueprints. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and so, you know, I found these and, um, you know, so the thought was, why don't we blow up these blueprints, put them on these fins on either side, you know, the front and, and back. And when you're walking along and experiencing this frame uh, of, of a project, at certain angles, you hit those fins and they're so thin that it actually just disappears. And so you see the landscape behind, but as you continue walking, you hit the flat side of the panels and, and the image of the station appears. And so it's an experiential sort of project because you have to kind of walk around and the project itself is completely static, but the station mm -hmm. appears and disappears as you experience it and kind of walk around it. Even in photographs, I, I immediately think it must be magic to walk from one perspective where you see the station and walk along and just watch it, as you say, vanish. Yeah. It, I'm sure people's experience is a little magical. You really kind of have to experience it to to see it. You know, one sort of aspect is, and again, it's kind of one of those happy mistakes, or not even mistakes. It's just something that you didn't really anticipate. Is because of the length of of the project, uh, you know, being a hundred feet long. I thought the whole thing would vanish at once, but because of the length of it, you see it half vanished, half half um, oh, wow. in reality at the same time, which actually chills. makes it, which actually <laughs> makes it better. Um, and, and so, you know, if it was only 20 feet long, your, your perspective would, would, you know, fully have this thing vanish, but um, you know, it starts to vanish and then it comes back and it goes away and it, and it comes back. And, you know, I, I think it turned out really well, but um, to, to your point, when I, the concept was d designed and um, I, I brought it to, to grandpa after, you know, a couple months and I said, you know, this is, this is what I want to, you know, this is what I'm proposing. You know, you asked the question. I, I don't think that that's what he was thinking. <laughs> I bet it was a surprise. Gerald, what was your reaction? I had a lot of faith in uh, Spencer. He also had a, an engineer working with him. That, and they had done uh, other projects together. 
And so with the assurance of the engineer and uh, Spencer that uh, such a, uh, a piece of art would work, uh, I, I gave them the go ahead uh, to uh, present it to the committee. But uh, in answer to your question, I had faith in, in Spencer uh, and his partner uh, to make it work. Wonderful. What was the reaction of the community when they when they saw the plan, Spencer? Well, so uh, you know, it was going through one one layer after another, right? So uh, you know, first initially I, I showed Grandpa, and then um, I flew out to to Calgary, and we had a meeting with the the committee in the um, in I think it's called the Seniors Lodge now, Grandpa, right? Um, right. in, in, in standard. And, uh, there was five or six of them there and I uh, had, a, you know, the big plans and they had no idea what I was going to uh, unveil. Um, How cool for you to, as you say, unveil it like, whew. well, and, and that's, it's always a, it is an unveiling. And, um, uh, what was interesting about the way I did it is I, I explained exactly what you and I just talked about without showing any images oh. and then, and then kind of unrolled it and, kind of waited for the reaction and I, I same similar to to grandpa's I don't think that they um had fathomed that you know that was <laughs> what fit right yes. but um you know I think the the reaction came came later as you know it makes sense to, to for, for for the space and you know I think that's sometimes the job of an artist and, and an architect is to really sort of grab all of that um background information distill it and throw it all in a blender and and kind of come up with something that hits the target of what you're trying to accomplish, um, but is a little bit unexpected. Well, you did that. I would <laughs> yeah. love to talk now. I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but I'd love to talk about the day that it was unveiled and and presented to the world and what the reaction was. So, you know, the, the, the committee of the, this town of 350, um, you know, they had seen it. Um, I went through the municipal processes of getting it approved and, you know, the design. And uh, as my grandpa was alluding to, I worked with a, a great partner of mine who I've done a number of projects with. Um, his name is Patrick Whalen and he, his company is Exabow, which does large scale installations. So think of, you know, an Olympic pavilion or, um, you know, something, uh, a big, large exhibition inside of an airport, um, you know, for a, a large company like Nike or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. Um, and so this is kind of was out of his, his wheelhouse, but he likes interesting things. And, and so that's, and we work well together. So that's how, it, how, you know, we ended up partnering. I remember texting my sister or, or it was actually our family group chat. And I texted the group the night before the cranes were going to start installing this. And I, I said to the group chat, who's about to create a large scene in a small community. And I did the little bit of like, you know, the emoji of, you know, the person raising the hand going, yeah, I'm about to create a scene. Um, and <laughs> for you know, better or morning, for worse, I guess. For better or worse, yeah. like, you know, it's all, you can't pull back now, right? And the, you know, 6 a.m. the next morning, the cranes arrived and, uh, you know, there's always hiccups uh, in terms of installation and, you know, it was pouring rain the day before oh, and, no. um, 
Patrick, I was in Vancouver at the time I was coming later for the, you know, the next day and um, got on the phone with one of the, the community members to help with their tractor to pull the crane out, you know, like, it was almost, a, almost in, in some sense, like a, an old fashioned barn raising. Um, oh, uh, very, very quick. And so it was three or four days. And um, it, it was up. And, you know, there wasn't really sort of a, a ribbon cutting at, at, at that point. But, uh, you know, it was a little bit of it's up there. And, Let's gauge gauge the reaction. And so, um, you know, over the next couple of months, I heard through the um, community members, uh, you know, the that it was well received. And I guess it was too big to put a giant uh, bow on it and cut it. So uh, <laughs> that, that, that never really happened in, in that sense. But I was able to return back last or I guess it was it wasn't last summer. It was the summer before for the town or the village, which is now a town, um, 100th anniversary. And so a lot of people you know, that town for, of 350 people swelled very, you know, greatly from all of the people that had kind of grown up there and left and, and come back. Um, and it was great to see uh, it being used because a, a part of the design itself was also the intent was to just not kind of create a billboard. It was to create a, a public space for events in the town, similar to the way the station was a, a public space before. Oh, wonderful. Um, and so, you know, is it used as a, uh, you know, bandstand? Is the, you know, grad photo taken of the high school there? You know, that was kind of the intent. Wow. And um, to see it being used, uh, you know, on that day in the middle of August was, you know, it, it, it's it's very kind of rewarding to to see that. So, you know, it's not that big grand moment. It's, it's those little ones. And, you know, another one that I would probably describe is uh, I went back one time with my grandpa and aunt and it, and, you know, it wasn't a big special day at all. You know, it wasn't their anniversary. And um, uh, we went out there and there was a, a group of kids that were playing on the sculpture. And what I actually found super fascinating is that there were a bunch of kids kind of on their scooters going up and down the platform of, you know, that's in front of this project. And uh, the platform is built in a way that is like your traditional platform. And they were rolling up and down on their scooters and you could hear the thun, 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 thun of, of you know, every plank that they were going across. And it completely brought me back to my sister and I playing at Champion Park, doing the same thing. It was the same sound, right? Wow. You know, so that was 30 years ago and 80 years ago, my grandpa was making those same sounds in, in standard, right? And so it's almost like that, that never changes, right? Like kids playing on, on something never really changes, but the station changed. Yes. And, and so I, I found that kind of a beautiful kind of uh, analogy of, of how it worked. I love that idea of echoes through history. And I'm, I'm very curious to know from both your perspectives what it was like the first time. I know it was important for you when, when the community saw it, but what was it like when your grandfather saw it, the moment he saw it? He had heard about it. He had seen iterations on paper probably, but to be there and have him witness it. Gerald, what was it like to see the actual piece up there? It was amazing, absolutely amazing. Anyone who visits the artwork now is astonished to find such a large structure uh, in such a small community. Uh, there used to, maybe 
finding something of that magnitude in a metropolitan area, uh, but uh, not 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 in a, a small tunnel. And uh, the the local people, uh, like myself, uh, take uh, great pride in uh, showing it uh, to visitors, and uh, it's uh, made a an interesting contribution to that part of Alberta. Well, contribution's a, a beautiful word because I, I think that enriches our lives when we make contributions in a meaningful way. And this this definitely fits that category. I wonder if it was emotional for you, Gerald, to see it the first time. Yeah, emotional in, in a nice way. I was very impressed with the detail that comes through identifying the waiting room and the express room and the freight shed is all there uh, and uh, then it disappears. <laughs> Did you think at the time what your father would think of it? Uh, he didn't have the privilege of uh, of seeing the uh, this this station, but he would have been very proud of the fact that it'll carry on forever there. And let's talk about the pride you have in your grandson who created it, because I can tell from reading your book that that you are so very not only attached but proud of your grandchildren. Um, how did you how did you feel about Spencer's accomplishment and contribution? Pride is a good word. It's the best word I can think of of uh, how I feel uh, about Spencer's work. In this piece and other pieces that he is doing, it's very exciting to have a family member uh, with such talent. I love the fact that your grandfather talked about how proud he was of you. I'd like you to talk about what it was like to work with your grandfather in a professional capacity after having had a, a personal relationship for so long. Yeah, um, my grandpa's values that he had instilled in us were very professional um, to, 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 be, to begin with. Um, and, and though my... Uh, you know, grandpa was very involved in, in, in our lives growing up. Um, he gave direction with those. Um, and so, you know, it, I don't want to say that it was always, you know, business with my grandpa, but it, there, there was always a, a business side of, of him, but I, I never worked with him. And to, to your point in, in that capacity, and we were talking about kind of wearing different hats at different points. And, um, you know, I had to kind of take the role of designer and him as a client. Um, uh, to, to mm -hmm. some extent, um, and, you know, also take, take the role of, of, you know, the architect and, and, you know, pushing back on, you know, things that I felt were really important versus, you know, um, uh, you know, just like any project, right. Uh, right. where you're, where you're trying to get something accomplished and, and, and done. And, um, I, it, it was a great working relationship and, um, I'm really glad that that we ended up doing it because it, it made me understand him uh, a little bit more and understand his world, you know, growing up, uh, first of all, in standard, but then his very successful business world and, and how he interacted. But I think 
um, you know, the main things that I really kind of took away from from that, and you know, there's a couple examples and of where um, you know his integrity was really key and, and important, and that was brought through in the business sense. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been fascinating, kind of working. I, I've worked in the the real estate world and um in the design world so i uh, you know i do do a bunch of things but um you know he's been known in the real estate world in in canada and i've 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 met a lot of people who had dealt with him in in the past and it's been very rewarding once they find out you know that he is my grandpa that they've maintained that his integrity was paramount um, mm-hmm. with the way that he did business um, in his business. And, um, you know, that gives me some pride on on, on my end because they're within the within my industry, it's it, that's not necessarily a given. Gerald, can you tell me what you love and admire most about Spencer? His uh, approach is we will do the impossible. Nothing is impossible. That's uh, very admirable. And it's got him a long way. It's a rare attitude. <laughs> there is nothing that he thinks can't be done. Well, I think he comes <laughs> by that honestly. Spencer, what do you love and admire most about your grandfather? Tenacity. And you know what? Actually, I could probably hold a mirror to what he just said mm-hmm. um, as well. And it goes back to when he originally kind of, or when he asked me about you know going on this project is, he has direction and he knows what direction he wants to go. Um, and he, he sees kind of maybe three or four steps ahead. Um, and, and I, I've learned that from him and, um, you know, I actually, I, I, I value that in, in understanding that a little bit more, um, you know, working through a project like this. Well, I just want to say it, not only is such a pleasure to hear about your special relationship, but also about this incredibly special project. And I just want to say a huge thank you to both of you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. And I, I, I hope um, people will take a look online at it because a picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> thank you, Gerald, so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. We love sharing love stories of all kinds, and that could include yours. So do you or someone you know have an uplifting tale to tell? Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram using at Canadian Love Map or email producer at podstarter.io. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.